Okay, happy Monday, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of The Night Minute. Minute 51, to be exact. Now, each week, the Movies by Minute hosts, me being one of them, I'm sure that the people that have come before me will be examining the 1985 John Landis-directed comedy, Into the Night. One minute of screen time at a time per episodes and yes dear listener it is me i am back actor and comedian ethan mckinley your very english host from the very american uh, two minute terminator show now available on youtube uh, and also a very big david bowie fan and uh, jim o'kane uh, behind this magnificent beast uh, very graciously allowed me to do uh, i guess one of the david bowie sections because uh, i have a few things to say about it now today regrettably uh, I cannot present my usual co-host of the Two Minute Terminator, the delightful Ellie Fitzgerald, as she is away on holiday, or as you darling Yankees say, on vacation. So, in her place, we uh. have... <laughs> There's the laugh. In her place, we have the other co-host Sorry. of my sister show, uh, Was It Worth It? It was Toffa. Say hi, Toffa. Hi, Toffa. Welcome to the show. Now, for those that don't know that show, uh, Toffa has seen very few mainstream classic or franchise movies basically so uh, i would sit him down in front of a, a famous movie that people call a classic citizen kane the thing john carpenter's halloween who knows and then we would discuss the film afterwards which would be i guess someone who's grown up in the modern world but not seen these films of the past that everyone lords over to find out if they truly are classics and are they worth it so i thought toffer because we actually covered this film about a year ago into the night john landis's 1985 opus yep. you may be the perfect man to cover this film first of all don't assume my gender <laughs> uh yeah yeah you, you, you're right my mate um I'm interested in how this is going to go because you're the only podcaster I know that has delved into this minute, two minute gimmick. So this is all quite new to me. So I'm interested to see how this is going to go. Well, basically, if you have just tuned in, listeners, and this is your first show, uh, we're part of the minute family, I would say you'd call it, where we break down a film one minute at a time. We study that minute with uh, a microscope and then talk about it to a granular level. Uh, so Toffer doesn't know about this but it's basically what we do on Was It Worth It Toffer where we kind of talk about the film but this time it's only a minute now right. what Toffer didn't mention uh, and weirdly for me uh, Into the Night is one of my favourite films of all time <laughs> now everyone I'm sure listening to the show is probably doing that and scratching their heads because I cannot justify to you listeners why I love this film so much. It's on in the background. If I'm doing something, it's kind of my comfort movie. I don't know why. It's very slow. It's very lethargic. Stuff happens, but it doesn't kind of happen. It's like this weird uh, film noir comedy. It goes at a very lackadaisical pass, uh, like uh, pace. Sorry. And compared to John Landis's other films, I would say like American Wealth in London, The Blues Brothers, Coming to America, Trading Places, which are very kind of again classics and probably arguably a bet better films than this and more enjoyable although i love those films i always find myself coming back uh to into the night why you ask i have no idea <laughs> and <laughs> as you can hear by my esteemed co-host laugh he can't figure it out either <laughs> now 
Uh, when Toffer isn't uh, podcasting with me, he's hanging out with the uh, who is it? The the Impractical Jokers, BQ from uh, what's the podcast that BQ does, Toffer? Tell him Steve Dave. Tell him Steve Dave. Uh, so he's he knows those guys. He uh, he has Mo on his podcast quite a lot. So he's Marmite. He's buddies with all the rich and shameless. So with that in mind, let's delve deep into minute 51 of Into the Night. Now, the clip starts with uh, one of our many cameos uh, saying, listen, Bert, I'll call you back later. And it ends with... That chap on the phone, yeah? That chap on the phone, but we're going to get to him. And it ends with another cameo, uh, which is John Landis, the director himself, running into the street in his underpants uh, with fellow actor Michael Zand. Don't ask. So with that, Mm. uh, we're off. Now, Toffer. Yes. I've thrust you into the spotlight here. You've seen the clip. We've seen Into the Night. Uh, We've covered it on our own show. Uh, (laughs) You've made some notes. Have you got anything you want to say about this clip? (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, I just want to touch on what you mentioned earlier about you saying that it's, it's a slow film that you just you it's it's like got like a weird warm place in your heart hasn't it it just it's just a film that's always been there for you um and it's it's a weird film because i couldn't go to somebody who is looking for a film to watch and go oh watch into the night you'll love it Mm. i can't remember actually when i i think i saw this much later it wasn't when i was a kid i think i saw it in the 90s on tv and it was on late night television and it, yeah, it's got this weird hypnotic quality. It just kind of washes over you. It's just you know what it there. is. It, it's it's a, a late night kebab film. You think so you've you've yeah? I think that's how it works perfectly. So you've come in from a night out, and you sit down, and you you just want to you don't want to watch anything too taxi. You just want something on. Mm. And then this, I think it's just Jeff Goldblum, but it sucks you in. Mm. And this was early on. Like this was this film for me was when. I caught up with everybody else and discovered the wonder that is Goldblum. Yeah, well, I was going to actually mention that in the show, but as we've already come to it, uh, Toffer hadn't seen or knew anything really about Jeff Goldblum until very recently, wasn't it? Was it when you saw Thor Ragnarok? Or, no, we covered oh, no, it in no. The Fly, this, didn't we? Did we do this before The Fly? I don't know. I don't, yeah, maybe. Because one of the things you've said was Goldblum is like very watchable for some weird godforsaken reason. We don't know. I mean, obviously, in, in, in person on chat shows, he's obviously very eccentric and amazing and very watchable. But uh, mm. he does have this weird star quality, despite not being, I guess, this, you know, classically handsome or uh, or man. Or he's not kind of like this Oscar winning kind of like... Al Pacino, Robert De Niro type character where he's kind of lauded for his kind of uh, acting performances, even though he, did, he is a great actor. Yeah. He's just kind of there, but he's got such a weird, almost alienness to him. He's kind of, you can't take your eyes off him, which I guess is the, I guess the recipe for, a, I guess, a star, do you not think? I mean, why do you love yeah. the Goblin so much? Because, I mean, well, again, to mention the show we do, Was It Worth It? Where we look back at things that, you know, are, are loved and we've come down as, I guess... Some of the oh god, what's the right word? The conclusion we've come to with some of these things, you've gone. No, that's not actually any good. And I've gone. I can see your point there. Whereas, yeah, you, uh, can, you can always see my point. I never just throw a film under the bus just because it looks bad. But every There's Jeff Goldblum, to it. every Goldblum film we've done or covered, you've always kind of gone. Well, he's elevated the film, no matter what it is. I think this is an example of that. But why yeah, do you yeah, love Jeff Goldblum so much, Toffer? 
I have absolutely no idea. Okay. I, I, <laughs> so I, you I like saw... me with this film then? Yeah, mate, you probably, yeah. I've caught Jeff Goldblum about the same time as everybody else. Because when I jumped on the Goldblum train, Ragnarok was about to come out. And then Ragnarok comes out and then Jeff Goldblum is everywhere now. Like, he's even in adverts. And they've just put him in an advert just to be Jeff Goldblum, just to sell something. Well, he was asked to be just Jeff Goldblum and obviously uh, Thor Ragnarok as well, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, st- he steals the film. And and even Jurassic Park, he's not in it. He's in it for, what, a couple of, a couple of seconds, maybe a scene. But his name's on the poster and they pushed him as one of the main stars of the film because they know that Jeff Goldblum sells. Well, I and... think, I mean, we I think we said this before that, like, the same way Al Pacino kind of went from this very brilliant character actor in The Godfather and stuff. And then when it came to Scent of a Woman where he won an Oscar, yeah, every, every yeah, exactly, every performance after that was informed by the fact it was just like, can you just do Al Pacino hoo-ha in all your can films? Can you be Al Pacino, please? Whereas Jeff Goldman was slipped very comfortably now into accepting this mantle of, oh, they just want me to be this weird, quirky Jeff Goldblum. And I think one of the genesis of that idea or that image of Jeff uh, comes, like you said, from Jurassic Park, where he was the uh, eccentric math chaotician, rather, uh, Ian Malcolm. But, uh, yeah, they just, like you said, they ask him to be, uh, just just be Jeff. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. What do you want from me? Just, with, just be Jeff Goldblum, eh? With his very particular kind of hand, uh, wrist gesticulations, and he's kind of, <laughs> You know, I, I said in our show, but he always looks like he's looking for his keys. Yes! Oh, my God, that's brilliant. Yes, exactly. Jeff Goldblum always looks uh, like he's looking for his keys. Like, even in, even in this minute that we're supposed to be talking about, the first, what, 15 seconds of this minute, Jeff Goldblum doesn't, doesn't say a word in the whole minute, but this when... These chaps are on the phone. Jeff Goldblum's just in the background with his hands <laughs> in his pockets. He's out acting everybody just with his eyes. Watch his eyes. He cannot stay still. He's like a child. He's got very he's goggly just, eyes. He's just, he, yeah, he just, you're watching this film, right? And as soon as you see Jeff Goldblum playing about with his face, you cannot not look at Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> it just looks like he's put something down and he's thinking, oh, where did I put that? And he's just wandering about, and he he looks he doesn't look interested in being in the film, but by not looking interested, he looks the most interested. Um, by the way, just uh, outside of the show we've done, because I think we did the fly, didn't we? Which I think we you did. loved. That was actually worth it. You've we saw Into the Night. What was the other Goblin films we've uh, you've seen since we like you started on uh, the path to Jeff, as it were? Oh, that's a good question. Um... There was one more, but I can't remember what it was. What are some staple Goldblum films? Well, I, I was, I was going to say, like, the first film Jeff was actually in, it was 1974's Death Wish. Oh, I know one we did. Because uh, he, weirdly, or not weirdly, I guess, which is a testament to his star quality, within, like, four years, from 1974 to 1978, he was in The Sentinel, 77, rather. I think that's the William Friedkin film. I may be wrong. I know Chris Sarandon's in it. But uh, he's in Invasion of the Body Snatchers playing Jack uh, Belichick or Belek. Hmm. Uh, you've seen that, haven't you? We watched that as part of our uh, show, I believe, didn't we? The Donald Sutherland one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. The one with the screaming at the end. Yeah. So yeah. if we're like, let's say, we, I call it the actor's canon, listeners. So if like Patrick Swayze, the Swayze canon, right? There's Point Break, Dirty Dancing, and Roadhouse, and Ghosts. There's four movies, right? The Goldblum canon, I think, is Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Jurassic Park, The Fly, 
uh and there might independence be... day independence day there you go and i i'd swap mm. that out for obviously into the night so yeah the goblin <laughs> cannon where is jeff goldblum when he's in into the night is this this is is this his first sort of leading man role Kind of, yeah. Well, he got the part because John Landis saw him in a film called The Big Chill, which was Lawrence Kasdan's uh, written and directorial debut. debut. Lawrence Kasdan wrote, uh, or co-wrote, Raiders of the Lost Ark, or came up with the story at least, and then he worked on The Empire Strikes Back, so he's very much attached to Lucasfilm. Didn't he write Solo as well? He did, with his son uh, John Kasdan and the the pansexual Lando Calrissian. (laughs) So, Yes, and the robot, which we won't talk about. Which we won't talk about. Now, I think at this point in his career, once he'd done those two giant films, uh, Empire and and Raiders of the Lost Ark, he then got his... uh, He got to write write and direct The Big Chill, basically, which had, like, Kevin Costner, uh, Kevin Kline, a bunch of other people. But Jeff Goldblum was in that. Now, apparently John Landis wanted... uh, Jack Nicholson for this Ed Oaken role. So Nicholson apparently didn't want the role, but he made Landis fly to Colorado in a snowstorm only to tell him no, he wasn't interested. Because he's Jack Nicholson. And Nicholson said this character literally does nothing really in the story. He just kind of breezes through it. And he said leading men are men of action. So that was the end of that for Jack, basically. I think Yeah, this, this film just happens around him. It does. Well, the film just seems to happen around everyone. <laughs> it's kind of a... I don't know what I like. Why do I like this film, Toffer? Listeners, I can't justify <laughs> why this film is good and why I like it, but it's my favourite film. I don't know why. Uh, but leading up to, I guess The Fly was his main breakout, wasn't it? But he was in The Big Chill, The Right Stuff, which is about the space programme, which is a another classic film. Obviously, he did The Body Snatched in the 70s. So those were his like, three big heavy hitters. I think after that point, he seemed to kind of drop off. I think he did a lot of TV. Uh uh-huh. He was in a film called Transylvania 65000 where he met Gina Davis, whom he recommended as his co-star for The Fly. Then they eventually kind of uh, got together and got married and now are divorced. Uh, I suppose the only classic in that area, just before Into the Night, was Buckaroo Banzai, which everyone is a, it's a cult classic for many people. I'm sure there's Buckaroo that, Banzai in it as well. Is this a, getting that thing that with uh, Robocop in it? It is, Peter Weller. It's got yeah. the greatest outro to any film ever when they're walking through that Los Angeles storm drain in those like, wacky fashion outfits and shoulder pads. Everyone looks amazing and the scores kicks ass. Uh, so he'd been in that. That had failed. So he was in Silverado's. Many consider that the... I think that's another Lawrence Kasdan film that was another uh, considered the best Western ever made. I've seen it. I disagree. Uh, and then that was really it. And then The Fly happened. And then weirdly... Uh, he seemed to kind of just do all these random weird films like Mr. Frost, which I think uh, he plays the devil in it. I've never seen that. Uh, the the tall <laughs> no, guy I, with I, I'm in. The Jeff tall... Goblin is the devil. Oh, yeah, Mr. Frost. It's I not. It's in. a 1990 film. Oh, tremendous! Uh, there's a film called The Tall Guy where he plays this like struggling actor in London. Rowan Atkinson's in it and Emma Thompson. I kind of like that, but it's a weird film. It's by Richard Curtis, I believe. He did the Four Weddings films. Yeah. And uh, Earth Girls Are Easy with his, again, his then-wife, where he plays an alien alongside Jim Carrey and Damon Wayans. Have you heard of that? Oh, that just sounds marvellous. Yeah, I think you'd like that. It's kind of a very wacky, very L.A. It's a bit daft. Very 80s. Yeah, they've got blue, yellow, and red fur at the start of the movie. Then Gina Davis shaves them to human form. And uh, And remarkably... Underneath he's Jeff Goldblum. Underneath he's Jeff Goldblum. But more, actually more weird than he was when he was dressed as an alien. Yeah. Uh, Jim Carrey yeah, in an early role and uh, Damon Wayans, who were both oh. on In Living Colour. Damon, Wa- Damon Wayans was almost Robin in the Tim Burton Batman film. He was. They were going to have a black Robin. 
They were. And Tim Burton went... Instead no, of a red you. one. Way. So yeah. anyway, I've made some notes on this clip, Toffer. Do you notice yes. anything? To do? At the start of the clip, there is a man on the phone. Right. Do you know who that I, man on the phone is? I don't. I oh. was just uh, distracted by the eyes of Jeff Goldblum. Well, there we go. Uh, if you recognise the man's voice or recognise the man, the eagle-eyed viewers will, that man on the phone is Jim Henson. Do you know who Jim Henson is? The Muppet Man. He is, yes. Uh, now, when Jim Henson's actually on the phone, he's speaking to a person called Rick. He goes, okay, Rick, I'll, I'll speak to you later or whatever. Now, I think maybe it's in, improvised, but uh, many people think it's a reference to Rick Lyon, uh, and he's one of the main puppeteers on uh, Sesame Street, or back in the Sesame Street days with, obviously, uh, Jim Henson. So there we have it. Isn't this the film that you were telling me about, where there's just every single director making a cameo in it? Exactly, and we were actually right, going to come to that. <laughs> so, right, gotcha. Well, here's the, I remember. here's the weird thing. I think I've written it down somewhere. I've written it down in my notes. Now, bear with me. I do believe there are actually 21 or 22 uh, cameos in this film, rather shockingly, because I think more than anything in John Landis' films, he peppers them with cameos, but I think the weird thing is with John Landis' films in the cameos for people on the inside... And they're not cameos like, oh, look, there's Steven Seagal with one line. It's like the it's just for him. Yeah, the producer of this, the producer of that. There's a scene in the f uh, another film he did in 1985 called Spies Like Us. And in the middle of that film, about 38 minutes, 30 seconds in, we're introduced to some doctors in this tent in the middle of the desert. And when they turn around, one of them is Terry Gilliam. The guy next to him is Derek Meddings. He, I think very few people will know who he is. He's basically a model maker. And he used to make all the models for all like the Bond movies and stuff. And he started okay. with like Jerry Anderson and Thunderbirds films. He's like a legendary kind of uh, model maker. Next to him is Ray Harryhausen, who we all know and love from the stop motion world. And next to Ray Harryhausen, the other doctor is Robert Painter, who is Jack, uh, Jack, sorry, John Landis's uh, cinematographer from like uh, American Wealth and stuff. Very, very weird. Uh, that he does this. Uh, and in this, like I said, uh, in the very scene we're looking at at the start of this clip, the bodyguard of this Hamid character that Michelle Pfeiffer is trying to get in contact with that gets kind of uh, Jim Henson off the phone is Carl Perkins, who's like a, a famous singer, essentially. Mm. Have you heard of Carl Perkins, Toffer? No. Carl Perkins was born on April the 9th, uh, 1932 in Tiptonville, Tennessee, USA, as Carl Lee Perkins. He was married to uh, Vera Greeder. I don't know why they've told us that. And he died, sadly, on the January the 19th, 1998, in Jackson, Tennessee. And he's basically uh, a country and western singer in a terrible wig in this film, I might add. Uh, John Landis is in this film. He is. Is, is. is this because he just fancied having a go or did somebody drop out? Like, why is John Landis one of the main baddies in this film? Because I didn't know he was in it until you pointed it out to me and you went, pay closer <clears> attention. To the chap in the glasses i don't know and i actually weirdly can't answer that question and that's i think that's the one thing when, when they when i saw they were doing this minute show and into the night i was like oh god good luck with that uh, uh listeners because there's no i don't think there's a commentary on the blu-ray there's a brief interview there's a blu-ray oh yes oh yes <laughs> some people out there love it you philistine uh <laughs> so there's no commentary to glean any information from. There's very, very, literally very little on this uh, film. So why John Landis is in such a weirdly pivotal role as one of these kind of Middle Eastern uh, Gestapo-type characters, Hamid's boys, mm. as David Bowie says, I think. Uh, I have no idea. 
Uh, Landis is in it, yes. He's, you know what, actually? He's in American Wealth. He has a little cameo on that. He's the man that gets hit by a car and is smashed through a shop window. The reason that happens is because John Landis started out as a stuntman on Kelly's Heroes in the 60s. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah, he kind of hitchhiked through America, I think, got to Europe, and then he literally tied himself to the bottom of a train that took him into, I think, through Hungary or through... Is it God? What was it? was it? Czechoslovakia before it changed to the Czech Republic? Yeah, that sounds about right. I don't think he would have been able to get through the the checkpoint, so he literally tied himself to the oh, bottom of the train. No pun intended, there, mate. No, no, <laughs> no, no. He didn't pull a train. He was under a train. That sounds even dirtier. I forget that. But he basically got to the set and asked for work, and they started him off as a stuntman. So that's how he started his career. So because of that, he did a bunch of like uh, stunt work in the 60s and 70s, all the time uh, saying he was writing this script called American Wealth in London, which, of course, uh, you know, broke him big. Essentially, Can you f- imagine anybody doing that now, just turning up and just saying, oh, I'll give you the job then? No, no, not at all. But ma- ma- I, why do you know off? what? Maybe. Because if you're in the middle of nowhere and some crazy... Well, you know, you're right. I think no one would do that, would they? No. I think if I would... You know what he can't do? You know, he's a man that... He's got many feathers in his cap. Many. Many feathers. You know what he can't do? Open a door. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Bounces off the door. Like, I don't, that's, a, that's just an odd choice he made. Well, the way he kind of runs up it with his skinny yeah, legs and stuff. <laughs> yeah, he just runs up it with his socks pulled, pulled all the way up. I've actually got I some always, more trivia with regards with to this little bit of the scene, by the way. Go on. You know the tailor in it? Well, you know what? In, in Two Minute Terminator, we go fact attack. So this is a Two Minute Terminator fact attack, folks. Okay. Uh, the guy, the tailor, who stops and goes, don't shoot him. Like, so oh, he he's, it... he's overreacting. He's, he's, going for, he's got like three words and he, he hams it up. Well, as I'm a classically trained actor, I'll tell you that's the thing they teach at drama school, a bit called uh, demonstrating. So they go, oh. Overdo it. Yeah, so if you're doing a TV commercial casting, and you go, okay, you're a little bit cold, and then you start just rubbing your arms going, oh, my God. That's called demonstrating. (laughs) Shatner acting, basically, which I have a soft spot for, so what do I know? Uh, No, the man in question is another director cameo, one of the... 22 uh, cameos in this film of various technicians, directors, writers, and uh, people like that. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Lynn uh, is the man in question. He is a film director from Bath in Somerset, born in 1943, still going. The last thing he actually did was uh, Yes, Prime Minister, which was bringing back the series, the, the famous classic oh, series. I know that. In 2013. So from 1986 to 1988, he did uh, Yes, Prime Minister, and also Yes, Minister in 1985. Mm. But he's done like uh, a ton of stuff. He did Clue. Have you seen Clue about the Cluedo? No, but I've been told that I should. Really? I've never seen that, and I know, I think Christopher Lloyd's in it, is it? Tim Curry? Yes, Tim Curry's in it, yeah. And you're a fan of Tim Curry, aren't you? I am. He's a fan of Tim Curry. Yeah, yeah Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, Michael McKean, uh, Leslie Ann Warren, Colleen Camp, who I once served at a famous dinner at BAFTA, and she was very nice to me. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, no one cares. Basically, listeners, when I'm not uh, acting, I work for various catering companies. I get to serve the rich and shameless. I've, 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 uh, we used don't to actually... pull the curtain back. They don't know you're a well-famous actor. <clears throat> well, I could be, because I am working on a, a series for Amazon Prime right now, which comes out shortly, which you can all enjoy. Ooh, so yeah, he directed uh, My Cousin Vinny. Have you seen that? I have. I like Joe Pesci. Great movie, 1990. Uh, Nuns on the Run with uh, Robbie Coltrane. I've never seen that. Is that a good film? 
Good film. Good film. Good film. Well done, Jonathan Lynn. <laughs> You're not going to be cast out by Tucker. Good film. You, you, you find... Oh, well, I will, I'd never cast him in anything to act because he overdoes he. Mm. But good film. Nuns on the run. <laughs> <laughs> Don't shoot. Right, chill out. Yeah, here yeah. it is. Right, this is not the first Lannis film to have cameos, like I said, but uh, it said it here. It's a unique film because uh, because of the cameos in Lannis films. Like I said, I don't think they're for the public. They're for like the industry insiders for some reason. He's got twenty one, including himself, cameos in this. Unbelievable. Got to be a record. Got to be a record of some sort. Well, there, like I said, there's three in this clip alone. You've got Jonathan Lynn, you've got John Landis, and uh, you've got Carl Perkins, the country and western singer. How exciting is that? Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about this scene, Ethan? Uh, no. I mean, it's uh, it's Beverly Hills. I mean, I've, I've I've walked through there. Not much of it's changed since then by looking at this little bit because where Tiffany's is and the tailor and stuff. Uh, but no. Oh, you know what? Actually, I forgot to mention the actor playing Hamid. Okay. This guy is still knocking about, although I've lost the uh i've lost the link to the information on him i do apologize oh, oh you've ruined everything oh Let that's do. why because th it was a faulty link i apologize listeners there we go let's just click into it we may as well r ring some minutes out of this minute uh and by the way when you, when you click on youtube uh, was it imdb they just bombard you with ads now it's a bit of a pain in the bum uh hu shang tuzi is the actor's name he is known for Argo, Homeland, The Punisher. So this guy's still going, man. He's, oh, uh, he's still in some good stuff, then. Eh? Uh, Doctor, oh, plays Hamid again. Doctor Hamid uh, Madani. So if you know who that is from uh, The Punisher, uh, that's who Hamid is in uh, Into the Night. He's done Bones, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Guardian Angel, oh, NCIS Los Angeles, Homeland. Although, I forgot now, when I look this up, this is the weird thing. He works up until 1989 doing very small TV roles, and then he disappears all through the 90s, and then he returns in 2001 with America So Beautiful. So for a 10 or 11-year period, he just disappears, and then he just... Well, he just went home. He does a short called The Florist in 2004, and then he appears in Argo 2012 as the Deputy Minister of Islamic Guidance, because we all need one. Uh, <laughs> he then appears in Homeland a year later, and then, and then he, he starts building up his TV credits. So he's doing well now. He's in a series, uh, Madam Secretary, which is uh, just oh, finished. Oh, that's a popular thing. Yeah. Market. So, yeah, this man disappeared from the scene for 10 years, but it doesn't say why. So there you have it, folks. You've had uh, the lovely Jim Henson. Uh, by the way, do you, you've got a kid, right? You, your son's name's Hunter. Does he like the Muppets at all? Yeah. Is he aware of them? Or is he only yeah, aware yeah. of like the movies and stuff? Because there's been a, like some new... There's, what is it, Muppet, Muppets Most Wanted with Ricky Gervais? Yeah, the Jason Segel one before the Ricky Gervais. That's one. actually a good. That's, that's good. That's a really good film because that's good for adults and kids, isn't it? So yeah, all kids' films should be. As all kids' films should be. Yeah. Uh, so there we have it, listeners. Uh, that was minute fifty-one of Into the Night. Now we will return, of course, tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, with minute fifty-two. And by the way, surprise, surprise, we're finally on it. It's the David Bowie bits. How exciting is that? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to ask you to bring back that David Bowie impression, please. Cause, uh... Which David Bowie impression? Oh, that's not very good, is it? No, you know Hello. who his name is like? Hello, my you name's know... David Bowie. How are you? Do you know, do you know the... Uh... That's you seen Paul Nicholson, well, Jessica Friends. What? <laughs> You've seen Wayne's well, haven't you? Yeah. 
You know, they oh, had to beat him to death with his own shoes. Oh, that's no, that's like. Ralph Brown from With Nail and I. That's what your impression sounded like. So here we are, breaking into a little sweetie shop, because Ozzy won't go on stage unless he has 300 brown M&Ms. That is bang on. The I'm well impressed with that. The shopkeeper and his son showed up. <laughs> Only brought a bloody tiger as a guide dog. We had to beat them to death with our own shoes. Nasty business, really. <laughs> It's Bowie-esque. It's Bowie-esque, isn't it? Even the even the even the speech impediments there. I'm we, well impressed we with that. We had to beat them to death with their own shoes. I'm well impressed with that. See, you could be a superstar, mate. We well, we're we're, we're banking on this Amazon series. So before we get to what Toffer's in the middle of, uh-huh. uh, I'm actually working on an Amazon series at the moment called Dark Ditties. D A R K D I T T I E S. If you don't know what Ditties is, American listeners or people around the world. Uh, it's an old-timey folklore name for tales, essentially. So that's not going to sell, is it? No one's going to know what it is and not watch it. So there we go. But uh, basically, it's a horror uh, anthology show. Uh, each episode is different, although it's got a, a theme running all through them, a bit like a Tarantino thing. Like American Horror Story. A little bit, yes. And we all play different characters throughout it. If you are a horror fan, some of my co-stars are Kenneth Cranham, who you'll know from Layer Cake. And if you're a real horror fan, you'll know him from Hellraiser 2. He played Dr. Channel, the master Cenobite. Great film. Uh, Mark Wingett's in it, who you may not know, but he's out of the bill and stuff. Uh, and a film my friend Haynes is in, be called King of Crime. And uh, who else is left? Simon Bamford, one of the Cenobites, Nicholas Vince, Barbie Wilde. Uh, my next co-star in the next episode is Ian Gelder, who's one of the Lannisters from Game of Thrones. So there mm. you go. Now, that being said, you can find me on Instagram at emcq1. Uh, so check me out there and you can also check out the two minute terminator which is on youtube now toffer our joint yes. show is was it worth it where can they find was it worth it because I, I have a bugger of a time hey there we go uh trying to find it on google so how can our lovely listeners find our show where we break down films one film at a time not one minute <laughs> yep they can find it on the radio misfits network website so radiomisfits.com forward slash was it worth it it will be all on there it's also on podbean isn't it uh, it's directed through podbean so just go to the radio misfits website search for was it worth it it's on there excellent now your that's just the spin-off show of your actual umbrella show the main one that you do which is called the master debaters which is a bit like tell him steve dave so if you're a kevin smith fan or brian uh brian johnson. BQ, brian johnson I can oh, brian I get the Queen, yeah, yeah you get the Queen's, yeah. it's fine you're so, one mistake. If you like those three guys, you'll love the Master Debaters. It's the British version of Tell Him Steve Days, to the point where they've actually had guests and hang out with those very people. So, Toffer, where can they find Master Debaters? Uh, they can Google us, is probably the easiest way to do it. Google the Master Debaters at underscore Master Debaters on Twitter. The same on Instagram and Facebook. We're all over social media. We're easy to find. Just search Master Debaters Podcast. And there we have it. Thank you for listening, everybody. You can find this show, uh, nightminute.com, at that site, nightminute.com, which is the main site. And you can also find it on iTunes and Google Play. I'm assuming I'm telling you that because you've found us through those avenues anyway. But (laughs) if you have friends who don't listen to this show, please tell them about it. It's very exciting. Different minute... Uh, presenters basically are covering different minutes and none of us are colluding so we don't know who's telling you this information or that whether we've doubled up on info who knows how exciting I can't wait to listen to this show not our section but everyone else's to see what they've got 
right, what they've got wrong, where the paths have crossed, where the streams have crossed. So uh, I, I listen with bated breath. Me too. Excellent. Well, happy Monday, folks. We'll see you tomorrow bright and early with another episode, Minute 52, coming your way with a bit of extra David Bowie and a bit of Ralph Brown thrown in as well. <laughs> Ta-ta. <laughs> Woo! Do we thank you or what? I'd say I fall in the or what category.